Known for songs like Freedom Hymn and Wake Up Sleeper, Austin French's influence in the world of Christian music continues to grow. Well, this singer and songwriter is as well an author with his autobiographical book called Jesus Can. Now, this morning on My Bridge, we are revisiting a conversation connecting us to the heart of this artist. Austin, welcome to the Morning Conversation. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be talking with you. Yeah, well, so one of the things that we love to do, we do it all the time when we have someone new on the morning conversation. Before we get to know you as an artist and an author, (laughs) we want to get to know you as a brother in Christ and hear a little bit of your spiritual journey, how you came to know and love Jesus. As a little eight-year-old boy, I remember getting a journal one day, going into my closet and writing the words, I will never be a Christian. Hmm. And the reason I wrote those words were, my dad was a worship pastor, my mom was a music teacher. I sang in church almost every Sunday, every time the doors were open, it felt like family was there. But we were the performing family. Like mm. Conversations that we had before we walked into church were, pull the sleeves down, put a smile on your face, we're going to go to church today. Uh, it was very, hide the brokenness, mm. put on a face of perfection. And so I decided as an eight-year-old boy, I didn't want to be a Christian because I thought it was fake. My parents split up also that year when I was eight, and the church that we were going to asked us to never come back again, and my mom got custody of my sisters and I, and she got a job leading worship at a church. And then it wasn't until eighth grade, I went to a music camp. At this music camp, a guy got on a stage, and man, it was just a divine moment for me, and it felt like he was speaking right to me, and he said these words that I'll never forget. He said, don't judge Jesus. On the broken people he came to save, because broken people hurt broken people, but Jesus wants broken people. (laughs) I was in need of a Savior, just like all of us are. And it was when I was willing to admit that, that that's when I truly found the healing relationship of who Jesus was as my Savior. That was it. I was 13 years old, and I decided to give my life to Jesus at that moment. My whole life changed. Healing began. I fell in love with the church that pushed me away, and realized that I wanted to be a part of people feeling the same way I just felt. So I decided maybe I should just write songs for my friends and write songs for people that were broken like me who need to know that Jesus isn't scared of the brokenness. He's seen it all along and died for it. So that's why I do what I do now is I write music for broken people who need a beautiful Savior, and that's Jesus. So, Austin, a few moments ago, you were talking about the reality of Jesus uh, really grabbing your heart. Something happened in the midst of your relationship with Jesus and coming to know him authentically, where you decided to use your music for him. But what was that first time that it went from just a concept and a hope to a reality, and you saw Jesus use something that you did creatively? I remember coming home after this music camp that I got saved at when I was 13, and I was scared to death to tell my friends I had accepted Jesus. And I was scared to death to tell them, you know, what that meant for me and the transformation that happened. But I had been singing since I was two years old, so music was the natural thing for me to communicate. And I decided, okay, I'm going to write music for my friends. So I remember getting my phone out and calling up some friends of mine and saying, hey, I I wrote you a song. You need Jesus. Here we go. And I sang a song. I wrote for them over the phone. It was kind of that start for me to realize that, oh, man, these songs can do more for me than just me speaking sometimes. So that was kind of the start of me realizing that, okay, this music, there's something to this. And I started going back and leading songs in my youth group. And 
to see my peers and my classmates experience God by me just leading a song and a song that I wrote about my life and how I've experienced God, I realized, oh, this isn't about me. This is way bigger than me, and I get to be used by God to do this. It was really cool to see at that moment that it was no longer how good I could do or how great I could write. It was about being able to partner with Holy Spirit that could do way more than I could. So, Austin, what led you to write that story? You know, I realized pretty quickly when I shared the vulnerable parts of my life and when I shared the stories of what I went through, it was always a moment when someone felt like, oh, that's me too. And in Scripture, it says that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, a lot of us rejoice and sing and love to claim the fact that we've been covered by the blood of the Lamb, but a lot of us are scared to death to share the word of our testimony because it's vulnerable. Hmm. We take what Jesus did in a very vulnerable place and claim victory, and that's amazing. But the other side of that coin is that now we get to share our vulnerability with others and share that overcoming moment. And I think a lot of times what hope is missing is because God is obviously the salvation of what Jesus has done for us. And the reality of that is the greatest hope anybody could ever experience. But the reality of that hope lived out is our story. So for me, writing this book was sharing that story for me about how I emerged and it wasn't how I emerged. It was how God drew me into his grace. And that is what made me emerge from heartache to hope. And that's the only thing that rescued me was that beautiful truth of Jesus and a community that wrapped themselves around me to help me live out these things and walk through forgiveness and healing and everything that I needed to walk through and my stories. Yeah, that's a big reason I wrote this book was just, I believe there's power in our testimony. And for someone who's searching for hope right now, Maybe they need to hear how God has rescued you because every story matters and God is redeeming all of us. And so we all have a redemption story that matters and needs to be shared. So Austin, we just talked a few moments ago about the book that you've written and songs that you wrote and recorded, and they were written and recorded during the whole pandemic reality. As you think about that investment of time and energy and heart and passion and vulnerability that you're sharing through your songs and your book, what's your hope as far as the impact of it? What would you love to see Jesus do through that investment that you've made? You know, as I was writing this book, I thought about me as an eight-year-old kid who was in the closet writing those words that I would never be a Christian. And if you would have told me as an eight-year-old kid that, hey, Austin, God is going to use the bruises, God is going to use the scars, he's going to use the wounds, and he's going to give you a platform to share it with others. He's going to use your wounds to help bring healing to others. I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed that Jesus could take a little kid in South Georgia who statistically should have an abusive marriage, a terrible relationship with my kids, should have some kind of rap sheet because of the home that I grew up in and the things that I saw and I experienced. If you would have told me that Jesus was going to redeem all those things and give a life that looked nothing like what I grew up into and a family and have three precious kids and a beautiful wife and a healthy relationship, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm -hmm. And so me sharing my story, and I pray it is the proof for people that Jesus can really do anything, that he can redeem any story, he can help you forgive any hurt, he can break any addiction. And that's the business that he's in. That's what he does, and that's what he promises to do. So, number one, I pray that it lets people know that Jesus is still in the business of doing those miracles. 
And then number two, I pray that it encourages people and empowers people to share their own story because everybody in the world is not going to read this book. But if they read this book, their neighbor, their coworker, their friend, their cousin who's not read the book still needs to hear a story that matters and it's theirs. So I pray it encourages people to share their stories of redemption too. Austin, to say the least, this has been a challenging year plus for the world, for our country, for ourselves. Many of us have kind of gone through some very challenging times. You wrote a song that specifically is directed on, on those who are weary, and it's called Rest for Your Soul. I'd love to hear kind of the heart behind that song. In 2019, I played uh, around 100 shows. I was gone almost 200 days of the year. We were expecting our baby girl, and we already had two boys, and life was hard. Life was chaotic. I was gone four days a week and um, touring constantly, and I just remember being exhausted, being tired, and I just kept, like, in a way thinking, man, if I could just get a vacation or if I could just get a break or if I could just get to this next thing, I'll find rest. Well, fast forward to 2020, I have all the time on my hands that I could ever dream of. And I was still exhausted, if not more exhausted. I have three kids under five years old that can't spell the word sleep, let alone do it. And (laughs) yeah, it's exhausting. And so I realized something as I was praying for rest, I realized that rest wasn't a situation, wasn't a place or vacation or job raise or whatever that I was searching for. It was a person. Jesus puts it this way in Scripture where he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest isn't a place. It's a person, and it's Jesus, and he promises that rest when he promises us himself. That's the beauty of rest. And so when 2020 hit and chaos was everywhere and stakes were high, fear was everywhere, it felt like my rest wasn't the fact that I was at home. My rest wasn't the fact that I had job security because all my shows disappeared. My rest was found in my provider, my hope, my redemption, my savior. And he really was that rest to my weary heart. I think sometimes we just have to slow down and realize that the rest is always there for us because Jesus is always there for us. Austin, we've got news media, we got social media that can just be hope killers. How have you seen that in your own life? And are there some things that you've done to, to try to manage that? I asked Torin Wells, I'm good friends with him, and we were talking one day, and my schedule was heating up a little bit, and I valued how he had ran his schedule and his life, and I just kind of asked him, like, man, how do you do it? How do you balance it all? And he was like, you know, I had to learn, and I'm still learning, the value of my no. That was basically about touring and about writing and life, but I've kind of used it in this sense as well. It's like I realize where the source of fear are, and a lot of it's my media, social media, you name it. And finding the value of my no is saying, no, I don't have to turn that on today. No, I don't have to look to that today. No, I don't have to spend this amount of time thinking about this. I don't have to let things take a place of importance in my life. I can set priorities. And so a lot of us know the value of our yes because we're eager to get things done and we're eager to check out the next big thing and we don't want to miss a thing, right? But 
I think a lot of us, we have to realize that we can't do everything and we can't be everything to all people. And I think we have to realize that we have to find the value of our no. And for me, that was what I've tried to do to maintain hope is like realizing I have to identify where the fear creeps in, even if it's from relationships. Like I have to maintain and realize when it's not okay to let certain things into my life. It's the balance of the fruits of the spirit. Self-control, right, is one of those that we should practice. And uh, I think for me, that's something I've been working on and figuring out how to say no and figuring out how to take back the exposure uh, in my life. And so I think it's really valuable just to figure out what you actually need to say no to. Austin, as we're talking a lot about hope this morning, there's another song that you've written that does kind of speak to the heart of hope and helping to nurture hope in the heart. Would love to hear the heart and the thought behind it. It's your song called Perfect Love. Such a powerful song for me. You know, the chorus of the song goes, when a perfect love found a wounded heart. I think a lot of times the comparison that we play for ourselves or the contrast that we paint for ourselves is that I am so wretched, I am so out of control. Why would a God who is so perfect want me? At least that's something I struggle with every now and then. That song was this reminder that no matter how messy I was, Scripture says that while I was still a sinner in Romans, Christ died for me. That means that he's not surprised by my sin. He's not surprised by my anxiety. He's not surprised by my hang-ups. He loved me then. And when a perfect love took a place on a cross for me, he knew every mess that he was going to redeem. So a lot of times I have to remember that the mess that I'm dealing with now has already been paid for. If it's already been paid for, then there's a way to beat it and to overcome it. A lot of times the hope that we are missing out on is because we don't feel like we're worthy of the redemption. Jesus proved that that perfect love took a place for us. And, you know, for anyone that's looking for those things to fill the gaps, everything on this side of eternity will leave you wanting something more, except for Jesus. And there's always more of him to experience, always more to understand and fill those gaps in your life. I think it's worth you giving it a shot because the perfect love who took your place knows your wounded heart and loves you where you are and loves you enough not to leave you there. Austin, we've all gone through all kinds of things over this last year through the pandemic and other things that have hit our nation. Some people kind of occupationally, obviously circumstantially, have done better than others. Some have done worse than others. As far as the hit that their business took, your livelihood comes about through the ministry of music. I mean, that typically entails concerts and those types of things that definitely took a hit during uh, this last year. How have you navigated that? Not necessarily practically, but spiritually. Like, how's God walked you through just that initial shock of like, my world's just being transformed and (laughs) right in front of my eyes, trying to get recentered? I figured out really quickly that I had made my touring career my idol. Uh, I remember getting sent home and that weekend canceled and then a couple hours later realizing the rest of the tour was canceled and then shortly after that realizing that the rest of my year was basically canceled. I remember coming home to my wife and saying, you know, like, who am I now? Like, who am I if I can't tour? Like, what do I do? And I took a really big identity blow to it because I found that I had wrapped up so much identity for myself in what I did for God. I think I realized pretty quickly that God never asked me to be his employee. 
He asked me to be his son. I get to be his son. And that's way better than being an employee and a worker for God. My usefulness wasn't on how many people I sang in front of. It was how obedient I was being and faithful I was being where he placed me. I'm now placed at home, and Hmm. I get to be a dad, and I get to be a husband I don't normally get to be. And another thing is I was gone so much, I didn't really know my neighbors. So now I really feel like I know what it means to love my neighbor as myself. And I actually know their names, and I'm praying for their life, and I'm getting to be a part of messy situations with them and when beforehand it was just like hey carl hope you have a great day i'm headed out for the weekend and now it's like hey let me pray with you and let's get coffee and let's eat meals together i really needed the identity shift and uh, i feel way healthier um, in my mental health and also just my spiritual health of realizing i don't have to perform for god anymore or i don't have to be useful in front of thousands of people. I can just be useful as being a a dad who's faithful with my kids. Well, Austin, so uh, glad to have you on the conversation this morning. It's been a rich time. And uh, before we let you go, last question, two quick ones here. Favorite verse and favorite book outside of the Bible? So my favorite verse in the Bible is in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. Verse 12, verse 13 is probably one of my favorite in the entire Bible. It says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I love the God who wants to bless us is a very accessible God. Mm. All I have to do is be earnest and honest. And I come to him, I pray to him, and he listens to me. And if I seek him in my whole heart, I can find him. So beautiful. That's one of my favorite. And then books probably would be uh, Sacred Parenting by Paul Tripp. We recently went through it with our small group. I'm in the thick of the weeds, man. I got three kids. I'm trying to figure out how to build little disciples, but also uh, I'm going insane some days, man. So I needed some guidance just figuring out how to parent and disciple at the same time, figuring out how those aren't two separate things and being a very gracious parent and figuring out how to do this thing with some grace and mercy along the way. So it's a beautiful book if you're a parent and like me and just trying to figure things out. I think it's a great book to look up, Sacred Parenting by Paul Tripp. Well, Austin, it has been really great getting to know you this morning and getting to hear the heart behind some of your songs, as well as your heart that God turned into a heart full of hope. Thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all the support. I couldn't do what I do without you allowing me to speak into your community and do ministry, so I'm very grateful for you.